0: Hello, everyone, and welcome along to La Liga Lowdown. It's our match day two recap podcast. We had another fantastic weekend of action in Spain, and I'm delighted to be joined by Tom Harris and Roman de Arquer. How are you,
2: boys?
1: Really good. Thank you, Matt.
2: Good, man. I enjoyed the, the games we saw this weekend and uh, wanted to talk about them now.
0: Exactly. Well, we're going to dive straight in because we had an absolutely super Sunday of action. Three brilliant games capped off at Anoeta with Real Sociedad one, Barça four, and we probably have to start there, don't we? Roman, what a performance from Barcelona, or was it
2: was it a kind of the result flattered them a little bit, or did they really deserve the win? What did you think? I think the result doesn't really reflect, you know, how the game actually went. Because to be fair, Real Sociedad uh, came back really quickly from that first minute goal. Lewandowski managed. Uh, they played good football, you know, until the sixtieth, sixty-fifth minute or so, I'd say. Um, even in the second half, uh, going to the second half, they were a bit better than Barca. Uh, and they had that goal, which was cancelled from uh, Bryce Mendez from that free kick, which obviously uh, generated some controversy. But uh, after that goal, Real Sociedad just kind of flattened out a bit. And Barca, you know, brought on those couple of changes with uh, Rafinha and Sofati, who managed to change the game completely and from there on, uh, you could see the team was much more comfortable, and Real Sociedad really were incapable of, you know, coming out of that black hole they were kind of, or they found themselves in. So um, the last minutes were good, but the beginning, as I said before, of the game was was really um, not great, and it left a lot to to improve on. Yeah, it was a, a blistering start to the game.
0: Robert Lewandowski scoring on his day, de- on on his away debut, on his birthday, 44 seconds in. But then an error from Frankie de Jong standing in for Sergio Busquets. Only six minutes on the clock and Real Sociedad were level. Uh, it was a, an absolutely fantastic start. But then it, it did kind of um, calm down a little bit. But but yeah, it was still a fantastic game. So what did you make of it in particular, Real Sociedad? I know you've got a great stat you want to share with us about their, their goals conceded at home.
1: Well, yeah, I mean... Obviously, if you look at last season, it was nine goals at home all season that they conceded. So, you know, one of the meanest defences, one of the toughest places to go and score on the way down. For Barcelona to go and score four, it's a massive statement of intent. And obviously, we were talking last weekend about this whole, you know, Barcelona struggling against Rayo. You know, we were thinking maybe this attack will need some time to gel. I think it was quite an emphatic statement really today that um you know that Barcelona are here to stay and they're gonna be in this title race because not many teams go away to L'Areal and do what Barcelona did.
0: Yeah, it's an enthralling prospect, isn't it, that title race, and we'll come on to their main rivals for that in due course. But uh Roman, one final word from you on on the issue of, of signings and registrations again. We, mm-hmm. another week goes by and we still haven't got Jules Koundé registered. You had a, an article on our Substack, uh, viewers, uh, listeners. Please do check that out. LaLigaLowdown.substack.com. You can find all of our written content on there. Roman, where do you see the the situation with Joel Kunde at the moment?
2: Well, it's it's uh, more complicated than maybe we thought it would be uh, because they did manage to register most of oh, all the signings except for Kunde, sorry. And it seemed like it might be done uh, before this game, but in the end, they just can't seem to. Uh, reach those agreements with, for example, Busquets and and Piqué, you know, to renew their contracts and to, of course, make some space for Kunde's salary. And then uh, the exits that were talked about with Memphis at the moment, uh, still uh, finding a little issue in terms of agreeing their salary because uh, obviously Memphis wants to earn. And a good amount of money and Juventus isn't willing to pay that much so that's where the agreement is still having a little bit of a problem we could say because between Juventus and Barca apparently it's already closed and sealed they've agreed a deal so just a matter of Memphis you know uh, finding that deal with Juventus and then on the other hand we have Yang, who uh, seemed like he was going to be an important player for the season again but uh, finally they've decided that uh, because Frankie De Jong doesn't really want to leave at all. Uh, he's another good option to make some space for Kunde. So apparently, they're negotiating, there might be a deal. Uh, incoming pretty soon but it's still not finalized so I mean those little things you know are complicating a bit uh, all this issue with the registering and also they're saying that maybe they won't go for Marcos Alonso because his salary is quite high and will generate more complications in the future and when there's not much time left really to to sign all these players or register them all so that's why they're saying they might go for Javi Galan as an alternative who would obviously uh, have a a lower salary and I think would still be a great fit so we'll see what happens but uh, I'm sure that in the end Kunde will be able to, to play Mm. I
0: mean, for my money, Javi Galan is night and day ahead of Marcos Alonso in terms of profile, (laughs) age, everything. But that is for another matter and, uh, yeah, as you say, time is ticking on the transfer window clock. Um, Moving on to some of the other games on this Super Sunday then, we had an absolute belter at uh, the Civitas Metropolitano. Atleti started the season so well at Getafe, a lot was expected of them with Zhao and Morata, but uh, it fell a little bit flat, didn't it, Tom? Um, They fell to a 2-0 defeat at Villarreal, Unai Emery finally defeating Diego Simeone. What an achievement! How did he do it?
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely incredible. As, as we've uh, you know seen on Twitter, it was seventeen attempts for Unai Emery to finally beat Diego Simeone. He'd gone to the Metropolitano and you know put in a really his team put in a really organised performance, and it was very calm and composed. And you know Villarreal were very patient. You saw a lot of times that kind of. They were looking to build up from the back. They were looking to tempt that Letty press. And when it came, they played their way through. And they were just waiting for their moments to pounce. And they did it really, really well. And yeah, I mean, I thought Capoue um, was excellent in midfield, as he often is. I still can't believe they managed to sign it for two million from Watford. I mean, what, what a pickup that was. And, you know, talking about Barcelona, you can see why, why they want Juan Foyt as well. Because absolutely brilliant. Again, he was a crucial outlet in helping Villarreal kind of escape this press. And, you know... Three tackles, two big chances created, 97% passing accuracy, absolutely solid performance from Juan Voigt and from Villarreal in general.
0: Yeah, Jeremy Pino opening the scoring before Gerard Moreno, who had a bit of a uh, up and down game, it's fair to say. He finished off the result right at the end and then did his trademark celebration, which seemed to annoy Atleti fans, which was quite strange because he always does that celebration, doesn't he, Roman?
2: Yeah, I was pretty surprised that uh, all the reaction, even the referee uh, at the end of the game, he wrote down in his little book that uh, the celebration by Moreno had been a bit offensive towards the fans. So I'm, I'm pretty surprised that all these people who probably follow La Liga know about La Liga don't know that Gerard Moreno always celebrates that way. And it's actually something towards his family, towards his kids, you know, so it's actually a sweet gesture and people are taking it in the wrong way. But I mean, at the end of the day, the important thing is that Villarreal got the three points, uh, very deserved, I think. They're they're really looking strong for this season. That squad is, is really improving. I mean, bringing in guys like Morales, uh, also seeing that Bayern is a, is, a, is a very interesting player. He's got there, Lothelso, of course. And the fact that Danjuma is injured, and he's also a key player for this team, I mean, the squad depth that BRL has, and they might even bring a few more signings in until the end of the season, uh, makes it look really fantastic. And I think this win against a strong team like Atletico uh, comes to prove that they're going to fight for that Champions League position for sure for next for the season.
0: Mm, yeah, with the fruits of the Cantera already uh, proving to be successful, it, you you almost be forgiven for forgetting about Danjuma. He was talked about being offloaded. Uh, sold big money to the Premier League to raise some funds but as you say yeah not involved thus far and for him to come back in as well it would be a a really strong attacking unit. Uh, Roman do you think Atleti are strong enough and do
2: they have the depth to be in this title race what do you think? Uh, I have my doubts to be honest I still think uh, they need to bring in you know a a few more players to really uh, put up that battle because they've really haven't moved themselves too much this uh, transfer market so far. You know they brought in a Witzel who seems to be a very decent player. Even though we some of us thought that maybe he just, he was past his prime so far. He's he's been pretty good even though he's been playing as a centre back also because of course uh, Chola has required it so that way and Morata of course coming back uh, he could be useful definitely but we all know he's uh, got lots of ups and downs you know he might be scoring uh, goals for the first few weeks and then suddenly he might kind of disappear so I think that uh, to to be an actual contender seeing the level that Madrid and Barcelona have at the moment with really strong squads uh, I think they need to do something more in this transfer market Mm. yeah Sam leverages Uh, Morata
0: Ballon d'Or campaign was was quite slow (laughs) and quiet this weekend. Um, Over to the champions and the defending champions, Real Madrid. They've lost Casemiro now. He has officially gone. Uh, He was uh, presented to Old Trafford on Monday evening ahead of their game against Liverpool. But uh, for Real Madrid, uh, no Casemiro, no problem. They went to Celta and won 4-1. Tom, what impressed you most about this Real Madrid performance this week? I know you said they were ominously good against Almeria. Was this a different kind of performance?
1: I think it was, yeah. I mean, I, first of all, I thought it was an absolutely brilliant game of football. It was, you know, credit to both teams. I thought Celta Vigo played some excellent stuff as well as Real Madrid. Ultimately, the, the quality told and Real Madrid's, you know, unbelievable attacking kind of output with Vinicius in particular, just being able to, you know, break away on on the break and, and just be so lethal as he is, ultimately won in that game. But I, th- I think what, what stuck out to me was that obviously Casemiro's gone. Um, I think it was Ancelotti during this week saying that you know he needs a bit of Casemiro from all of his midfielders to kind of you know he needs a bit from everybody to all chip in and do all the work that Casemiro did. And you look at Chuamini, for example. You know people were, were talking about him last week as a, you know his debut was a bit bit shaky, but I thought he was absolutely brilliant, very solid. And I think Camavinga did really well to drop in alongside Chuamini when they were you know themselves were pushing forward. And then Luka Modric at thirty six years of age basically doing everything so I mean it was I really enjoyed how you know all three of them obviously they've lost Casemiro he's been such a big part of this team it's going to be a transition to get over it but I think the three of them work really well to to kind of restore that balance in the midfield yeah Roman
0: from a Barca perspective are you are you a little bit concerned about how Madrid are looking or you still think uh, Barca can fight them all the way
2: I mean, I thought they would uh, struggle a bit more in the start. It did seem so against Almería, where they, of course, started losing and they had to push and push and they finally got their classic comeback, which, uh, you know, tends to happen very often. Uh, but then against Celta de Vigo, I was surprised to see uh, they won quite comfortably, even though it has to be said that Celta are a brave side, they like going forward, they take those risks and in the end that can penalise you and, and it happened, you know, if they maybe played, played more defensively, maybe they wouldn't have scored four, it might have been a closer, tighter game. But that's how Celta plays, you know, and, and credit to them for, for trying, you know. Uh, and, you know, Madrid are always going to be there. Uh, so uh, it's going to be tough, but uh, but I do think that Barcelona should be capable of fighting uh, against them right till the end. Mm.
0: Interesting. We'll, of course, revisit this topic as we go through the weeks of the season. Just to wrap up part one, then, let's have a little word on the, the first of the games on Super Sunday. It was at San Mames, it was Athletic 1, Valencia 0. Uh, Ernesto Valverde, the most experienced manager in La Liga, against Gattuso, the most inexperienced manager in La Liga. It was a very tight and an interesting game, wasn't it? Um, Tom, Valverde's first win since returning. He now draws level with Javier Clemente as the athletic coach with the most wins in history. Um, Valencia really could have equalised at last minute, though, couldn't they?
1: Oh, it was agonising from uh, Marcos André. He had the Diacabi as well, kind of. Almost sliding in just to and then just to put it away, and it grazed the outside of the post. It's really unlucky. I thought it was a really, really good game. Um, I thought it was very even. that both of the sides were very organised, and you could see exactly what they were trying to do. I really enjoy this kind of Valencia kind of complete 360 as to what they were doing last season. I mentioned it on the podcast last year, but um, last week. But you know, Gattuso on um, Gattuso's side completed 511 passes that game. That's more than any game last season. At 85% accuracy away at Sammermes, again higher than any game last season. So they've really turned from a very direct kind of board last side into a heavy possession-based side. And it's nice to see this kind of transition. Um, yeah, they'll be disappointed with the defeat, but I think Valverde needed that just to just to get going. And you know. Rory was um, saying on the, the newsletter that Athletic are having kind of problems scoring goals. You know, they have had 35 shots in these first two games and have only managed one goal. So maybe that's something to keep an eye on. But they will be happy just to finally get those three points off on the board.
0: Yeah, Iñaki back through the middle in the absence of Via Libre. So the experiment only lasted one match. We'll see how Chinguri Valverde tinkers as we go on. Uh, Roman, was it weird to see Valverde back in La Liga, back at Athletic again after his Barca days?
2: Yeah, it, it, it is a bit weird because uh, he's been quite a while, you know, away from the sidelines and, and doing other stuff. And uh, to have him back on another bench felt kind of weird. But of course, it was the athletic bench, so it felt right in a way, you know, because it was his yeah. third stint there. Uh, he knows the club better than pretty much anyone, you know, and of course it makes sense to have him back there. And But there's still a lot of work to, to, to go, you know, I mean, despite the win... Uh, as you guys mentioned, Valencia had a pretty good game. It's very inter- interesting to see how uh, the style has shifted, has shifted with Gattuso, you know, with more possession-based football. And honestly, it was quite surprising to see that the goal came from a Carlos Soler mistake, if I'm not mistaken. He was the one who made a bad pass and that kind of counter-attack took place and, and they got the goal with Berenguer, who was quite fortunate that uh, really wasn't a bit more uh, capable of, of stretching, you know, over there because it seemed like... He, he should have gone to the ball but anyway uh, we'll see how these two teams evolve uh, new coaches you know new things to, to, to be learned and uh, much to improve on yeah i'd recommend watching both of these sides in action because it could be equally
0: frustrating or exciting depending <laughs> on how you stand uh, that'll do us for part one stay tuned because we'll be wrapping up all the rest of the action that's still to come stay with us Welcome back to La Liga Lowdown. It's our Match Day 2 recap podcast. And as we've already discussed, we have two teams there on maximum points. But there are also two more that we haven't yet discussed. That is Betis and Osasuna, who both got wins on Match Day 2. Uh, Roman Betis, two penalties for Borja Iglesias. He's, uh, he's doing really well this season in terms of goal scoring. Three for him now already. Um, Mallorca weren't too happy with a couple of these penalty decisions, but... I think Betis were, were good value for the win, weren't
2: they? Yeah, I mean, uh, you can see that Betis is, is definitely going to be a strong contender this season uh, for, for those Champions League positions. Uh, many were saying at the beginning of the season that they might even look better than than Sevilla. And at the moment, I think it is the case, you know, uh, despite missing lots of players because of the t- of the registering issue where they're still struggling to find uh, a ways to, to let them play. Uh, despite all that, you know, they're still playing good football. There's You can tell that Pellegrini... Is a very serious manager. His project is evolving little by little every season, and I think this uh, should be the year, you know, when they take a step uh, ahead. And and I mean, winning these tough games against uh, teams like Mallorca, who are playing at home, and we know that Mallorca tend to get most of their points uh, at home. That's where they uh, usually strive. Uh, getting uh, three points from there, I think, was, was, was crucial from Betis and Peligrin and his men. So I mean, uh, it's it's a good it's a good squad uh, squad uh, to um, to watch. Sorry, and we should keep an eye out for them because I think they're going to uh, surprise many this season.
0: Yeah, strong start to the season for them. Two wins out of two, five goals scored. Only Real Madrid have scored more. Uh, the fourth and final team on maximum points is therefore Osasuna, Tom, and they had uh, a 2 0 win over Cadiz at El Sadar. Um really good atmosphere there for for this one. They they really quite struggled at home last season, as we discussed it in the preview pod I I remember. But this season they've started off like a train, two wins from two in front of their own fans. And again, some penalties in this one, weren't they?
1: Yeah, so um they actually had the second worst home record in the league last season, um the same as Levante and Granada, who both obviously went down. So, you know, I think they needed to make El Sadar a bit more of a fortress. And and really, you know, the stadium itself is conducive to that kind of atmosphere, really, because the fans, you know, they're very vocal. It's quite tightly packed in. They're close to the pitch. They have a high-intensity side that plays this direct, aggressive football. So I think, you know, there was always the potential that El Sadar was going to be a nasty place to go to this season. And, you know, before this game, we were saying, well, if you can make it two wins out of two, which I have done, then, yeah, I think Osasuna will be very, very happy about that. Um, The penalties, yeah, I I think both of them were were fair enough, to be honest. And when you've got Chimi Avila and Kike Garcia and even Ante Woldemir to take them, I think the vast majority of them are going to find their way into the net.
0: Yeah, it's it's quite strange. They've had three penalties in their two games um, and they've had three different takers. We had uh, Orof in the first game, the winner against Sevilla. And then, as you say here, Chimi Avila and Kike Garcia. So always good to have multiple players who can take a penalty, that's for sure. Um, From Cadiz's point of view, Sergio wasn't too happy about the the awarding of the second one in particular. He called it a penaltito (laughs) in reference to the uh, the pre-season press conference of the head of the referees in Spain, who said that uh, they'd be looking now for more significant contact to be uh, needed to award a penalty. And of course, already we're seeing a few soft ones given. Mm. Uh, We have an article on that and around some of the other concerns to do with refereeing and officiating and effective time in the league. That's also on our Substack from our newsletter, so check that out online. Um, let's let's go back to Friday night then, where the weekend began, and all eyes were on Sevilla once again. It was their first home game of the season. Uh, they got in their centre back in uh, Tangi Nianzu, uh, but they couldn't win the game at home against Real. I believe they they came had to come from behind. It was a bit of an error which gifted them the equaliser. Things aren't right at the uh, Sanchez Piquín, are they, uh, Roman?
2: Yeah, definitely. It was uh, something I think lots of us were fearing, you know, because uh, we saw how it ended last season for Lopetegui and his men. You know, there was maybe that lack of chemistry already we were starting to see. Uh, They were all having lots of problems to to managing to maintaining their position at the top and everyone was saying that maybe they could fight uh, for La Liga last season but in the end you could see that something was missing there, you know, and it was a surprise to see that Lopetegui continue this season and so far, uh, those who were doubting have been proven right so far because, I mean, the start to the season for Sevilla has been very poor, even though I have to say I think they have been a bit unlucky, for example, in this game against Valladolid, you know, because they, I mean, they, they were generating an attack, uh, they did have some pretty good chances, I don't think they're playing really bad football and Lopetegui is, is, is a disaster, but uh, something is actually missing and take into account they have a pretty good, strong squad, maybe they should as- be aspiring for more. But then at the same time, I mean, losing Kunde and Diego Carlos at the same time, I mean, it's, it's just uh, dreadful for them because we saw how important they were for Sevilla uh, to really top centre-backs and you have to like kind of rebuild that. Uh, you still haven't completely maybe signed all, all the guys you want in those positions. Of course, uh, Marcao is there, but he's still uh, having injury problems and Rekic is having to come in. And now the new signed player, Kwasi, from uh, Bayern had to start immediately, you know. So there's, there's really a lot of problems in defence. Now they have Acuna, who's been sanctioned with that red card. So that's definitely not going to help Lopetegui and his aspirations to to go forward. But uh, I think they still have to give him some time, see if he can finally connect with the players and and, and start getting the results. Because, I mean, the squad is there. We know Lopetegui... Is it an experienced manager and hopefully he'll be able to bounce back from this?
0: You referred to the, the chances here in the game. It was 1 1, but uh, it was the XG was 2.04 to Sevilla and only 0.5 to Guthela. So, on the face of it, Sevilla should have won this game. But as always, with Sevilla, it comes down to finishing, doesn't it, Tom?
1: <laughs> yeah, 100%. I mean, I don't like to single out players, but Rafa Mir was particularly wasteful, I thought. And, you know, if if they're going to challenge for the top four, Think we said this a couple of times now, I think they need to upgrade that striking position. I mean, Yusuf Nesidi obviously had a fantastic season two seasons ago, had a bit of an injury hit season campaign last year and, and kind of dropped off in terms of the numbers. But yeah, they're, they're not finishing their chances. And, you know, I, I think once Marcao comes in, as, as Romal was mentioning, we might see a bit of a more solid defence. But yeah, very, very frustrating for Sevilla. And their fourth consecutive 1-1 draw with Real Valladolid, you know, you were hoping for a big result here just to get their season going. And yeah, they'd be very, very disappointed.
0: Yeah, it's, it's looking tough for them. Next up, they have Almeria away before uh, Barca come to the sanchez Um As, as for el fadrida it was quite an impressive performance from them too, I thought. They, they look pretty organised and Bacchetta was speaking about how he wants them to be confident on the ball and, and not fearing getting beaten. I think that's a, a good approach to take. Um, so an encouraging point for them as they start off their campaign too. Um, elsewhere on Friday night, it was a, a really fascinating battle. Uh, in Corneillat, between two of the brightest young managers in Spain. Diego Martínez, his Espanol side, and of course, Andoni Iraola at Rayo. Um, Román, obviously, you're you're from that uh, particular part of Spain. Um, what's the mood like in, in the city and, and around the city? Because as Rory would always tell me, Cornell is not in Barcelona. Um, what's the mood been amongst the locals? Are they excited about this season? Are they... Are they worried that Ronaldo Tomás could be leaving? or What's the mood there?
2: Well, uh, I think the mood was uh, pretty good until a couple of games ago, <laughs> to be honest, before the season started uh, for Espanol, But uh, now seeing how things have gone, especially that home game against Rayo Vallecano, uh, where they did have that advantage for a sh- very short period of time uh, with an extra player... Uh, I think they expected more of that game and they kind of seem a bit disappointed with the signings maybe. I mean, if you looked at the team, uh, knowing that Diego Martinez was coming on for me, Perfect manager for Espanol to start uh, building on, you know, and to start improving. And you see that you had Joselu. You see, you had Raúl de Tomás. I mean, that's just such an exciting uh, forward uh, for them. But then suddenly it seems like Raúl de Tomás isn't really clicking, nor with the club, nor with the manager. It looks like he's going to leave uh, sooner than later. And I think Diego Martinez. Deserves a lot of credit. I hope they have a lot of patience with him because we know what he's capable of doing. We saw with Granada, he's going to be... uh, I think he's going to be really important for them. I think he can actually uh, do great things with Espanol. But of course, patience is required. Fans at the moment are a bit worried seeing that the team is not starting as they thought uh, it would. But uh, as I said, patience. And and we'll have to see how it goes in the next few games.
0: Mm, mm. Tranquillo for now then.
2: Exactly. Uh, Tom, let's talk
0: about Raya then because... It's a fantastic start to the season in in Catalonia again. They got a win here, two 0 Isi Palathon proving that his Camp now performance wasn't a one off, and of course, everyone that loves La Liga already knew that. Um, Tom, I mean, how impressive was this?
1: Yeah, massively impressive. I mean, like you say, they're unbeaten in their last six games against Catalan sides. You know, you got to remember one of those is Barcelona. They've done the double over Barcelona last season. They did the double over Espanyol last season. They've gone to the Camp now um, Camp Nou, and, and drawn. Not conceded a goal in that entire time it's absolutely unbelievable um and yeah they i mean i think they were they were fortunate that sedge gomez kind of got himself sent off just as florida lejeune got himself sent off because i think espanol could have made more of that man advantage but you know it was brought back to a level playing field but yeah they were they were absolutely brilliant and I, I, I like the depth that um, Rayo Vallecano, obviously they're, they're, they're on a bit of a shoestring budget, but if you look at the options off the bench, you know, Oscar Valentin came off the bench, he was a starter last season, made an impact. Randy Anteca was on there, Comesanya, Falcao, Salvi Sanchez. They do actually have quite a lot of players that they can rotate in and out of that side, you know, even though they are a side with not that much money in the bank. So yeah, I mean, it's really looking good. And, you know, we've, we've sang Andoni and his praises many times on his podcast and we're going to have to do it again.
0: Uh, we do have to mention the off-field stuff, though, because it made a lot of headlines in Madrid this weekend because Rayo, in terms of the club infrastructure, is, it's fair to say, well behind where it should be in terms of advancements. And we had fans trying to buy their season tickets for, for, the, for the campaign, queuing up around the block, around the stadium, really long queues, uh, some of them having to go through the night and uh, and Riot Police having to kind of disperse them when they realised that it was they, they couldn't cope with the demand. Uh, Rio did issue a statement saying that they, they do this because a lot of the fans are, are older and haven't got access to the internet um, I'm not sure how many people would really buy that as a, as a legitimate explanation um, Roland, Tom, any any thoughts on this and uh, how how frankly it should be uh, so much more easy for fans to come and watch their football team
2: no, It's definitely disappointing you know, that clubs can't treat their fans in a better manner in that sense you know, and that they can't uh, allow them easier or more access uh, to buying tickets to you know to get into the stadium to filling up the stadium, but unfortunately this happens in, not just in football. You know in many aspects in society where things are just way too complicated, way more complicated than they should be. But in the end, hopefully, uh, maybe even La Liga, you know, can can push for an improvement in that sense, and hopefully this will change.
0: Mm, absolutely. Well, to Monday night then, the final couple of games of the match day. It featured curiously. All four of the teams who were pointless um, going head-to-head. In, uh, we had Elche uh, against Almeria. Uh, Umar Sadiq got off the mark early in that uh, first half, but it was quickly equalized by uh, Alex Collado. So a nice uh, point apiece there uh, in Elche. And then in the late game, it's, uh, it's Girona, who stormed into a 3-0 lead against Getafe. Christian Suani proving that age is no is, is just a number. And also a first goal for Tati Castellanos, um, a fantastic finish from him, chipped over David Soria. You also have to check out the own goal from Domingos Duarte because it's frankly just quite funny. Um, sorry, Hitafe fans. But Etafe uh, did bounce a comeback. They got back to 3-1, but uh, it wasn't to be um, on this occasion for Kike's side. Gents, anything you want to say on, on these couple of matches that we've seen on Monday evening?
1: yeah so um i mean elche i thought um i was quite surprised about the atmosphere actually at the martinez Valero. i thought it was a fantastic atmosphere the crowd really up for it um i think alex Coyalo looks a, a great pickup for them you know we saw how how well he did last season um, at granada just pl- kind of playing in behind the striker i think he could add something to that LG side alongside roger marty and almeria as well obviously we we saw Sadiq score his goal i, I really hope he does stay at almeria i think he'll make them a much more competitive side and just a general aura he has about him, once he starts running, you know, they tried to play it in behind a few times and he was just unstoppable once he got you know, once he got to stretch his leg. So I hope he stays at Almeria and I hope that, you know, they put up a fight against relegation.
0: Mm, absolutely. A uh, good start for the Catalan side, Gianna, Roman.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I was even surprised uh, in that game against uh, Getafe. I mean, Girona uh, really looked very sharp, very confident with the ball going forward. And I mean, they got the goals they needed against uh, Getafe, which honestly I thought would look much better at the start of the season. And uh, take into account, they brought in very interesting signings like Domingos Duarte himself, who was a key man in Granada, uh, Luis Milla. Uh, Porto, etc, etc, it seemed like they had kind of like a perfect transfer market for a team like Getafe, you know, everyone was like okay, these guys might do something but at the moment it hasn't really started very well and they struggled against Girona who just came uh, from second division they got pretty much thrashed we could say and I mean uh, Kike Sanchez-Flores is going to have to do a lot better if he wants to keep his job because with all the players they brought in, I'm sure they're expecting much better results than the one they got uh, over there
0: Mm, big call there from Roman, but uh, if you look at the table, it doesn't read too pretty for Getafe. They are where they were this time last season, frankly, right at the bottom. Conceded six goals, uh, joint with Cadiz on zero points. The only two teams yet to pick up a point. Well, that almost wraps it up for us this week. Um, it remains to be uh, the final thing. Then is for our moments of the week. Tom will start with you. Uh, I've got a funny feeling it might involve a certain Ryan midfielder.
1: Yes, I mean, for me, it's that easy Palazón screamer to open the scoring at um, Espanyol. It's just an unbelievable finish. I mean, he's one of my favourite players in La Liga. I think he's many people, one of their favourite players in La Liga. And it was the angle from behind, you know, when when it kind of goes in slow motion, you can see how far he has to bend it out for it to come back in. Just clips off a post. It was, it was an absolutely brilliant goal. and I'd recommend any of our listeners who haven't seen it just to give it a quick, quick look on YouTube. Yeah,
0: and then replay it and watch it again and again and again, because it's worth it. Uh, Roman, finally for you then. uh, Again, I think I've got a funny feeling you might pick uh, a certain super sub for Barcelona here.
2: (laughs) Indeed, I mean, I think Ansu Fati was a game-changer in that match. Uh, As I said at the beginning of the pod, Barca really struggled, had lots of problems uh, to actually... Control the game, but uh, when Ansu Fati and also credit to Rafinha when they both came on, they uh, changed the game. But Ansu Fati, you know, he makes everything look easy. He got two assists. He got that really calm and composed goal, and he definitely was was key in in Barca um, getting the win, and uh, hopefully in Barca becoming a much stronger side this season. Let's see if injuries really stay away from him, and we can see that Ansu Fati. We've all been dying to see.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen, for your contributions here. Uh, do check out listener our website and of course our Substack our newsletter will be out again through the week lalegalowdown.substack.com is the place to go and subscribe there to make sure you don't miss any of our content we've got some fantastic insight and analysis from our squad also of course at La Lowdown on twitter for all of our social content and we'll be back later in the week with another podcast looking ahead to match day three um, but for now thank you very much to Tom and to Roman and thank you for listening and uh, we'll see you soon adios Gol De facilidad
2: Para el chaval Para Ansu Fati En el minuto 33 y medio de juego De esta segunda parte Machaca el Barça Ansu que había participado en goles anteriores Marca también el suyo Real 1 Barça 4 Ansu Fati